scripture reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 21. If you're using the Blue Pew Bible in front of you, you can find the passage on page 953. Again, today's passage is 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Please stand with me in honor of God's holy and inerrant word. This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself, for I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. I have applied all these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, brothers, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up in favor of one against another. For who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Already you have all you want. Already you have become rich. Without us, you have become kings, and would that you did reign, so that we might share the rule with you. For I think that God has exhibited us apostles as last of all, like men sentenced to death, because we have become a spectacle to the world, to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are held in honor, but we in disrepute. To the present hour, we hunger and thirst. We are poorly dressed and buffeted and homeless, and we labor, working with our own hands. When reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. When slandered, we entreat. We have become and are still like the scum of the world, the refuse of all things. I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you, then, be imitators of me. That is why I sent you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ, as I teach them everywhere in every church. Some are arrogant, as though I were not coming to you but I will come to you soon if the Lord wills, and I will find out not the talk of these arrogant people, but their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. What do you wish? Shall I come to you with a rod or with love and a spirit of gentleness? This is the word of the Lord. Let me pray for us once more as I get into this. Jesus, we come to you longing to lift you up in this place. So Spirit, would you come and preach a better message and what I'm about to preach. 
Spirit, would you move in power? Would you move uh, to transform? Uh, And would you allow us to see uh, just our place before you? Jesus, we pray this in your name. Amen. All right. Uh, It is Super Bowl Sunday. you know, I don't know who y'all, who y'all, who y'all are going to be cheer for, but um, I have heard a lot of people say, I hear it all the time, they're like, yeah, I just don't want the Eagles to win because maybe their fans can be a little too much. Uh, if you're an Eagles fan in here, there's nothing against you, I don't really know. Uh, if you're a Cowboys fan, you probably know what I'm talking about. Um, um, but, you know, I don't have anything against the Eagles or anything like that, but uh, I have friends that might, you know. I have a friend of mine showing me uh, how, like, they're, they're, he was sending me articles, and it was like the police, uh, they, they were preparing for the aftermath of the NFC title game by greasing the poles in the city. Um, I guess they would climb the poles and climb everything and just make a big ruckus in the city, right? And uh, with the Super Bowl, and what they're doing with the Super Bowl is um, they're like, all days off are canceled, right? So it's like all hands on board, like everyone's all, take a shift. And, and they, they even extended the shifts uh, to 12-hour shifts to get ready for tonight. I think win or lose is going to be crazy. Maybe we should pray for Philly tonight. Um, um, but my friend, you know, my friend was like, yeah, they're just overly passionate, um, to nicely put it, right? Um, and, you know, I get, with sports fans, um, they can get carried away, not just Eagles fans, but I think sports fans in general, we get carried away, and, and understandably so. Like, if you support a good team, uh, you get carried away sometimes. Like, if you support a bad team, we, 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 we don't mind them, and we don't pay attention to them, right? But, you know, but if you, if you have a good team, you want to support them, like, you want to be a part of the hype, right? And... I think we get carried away. Sports fans, they like to link themselves to the team. Um, uh, They link themselves, but it becomes more than just linking themselves um, to the team. And they they start saying, that's my team. Um, And and so what happens is as a sports fan, they they make themselves one with the team sometimes. They're like, like, oh, we did it. We're better than you, right? You know, we're number one. Like, we beat you, and we did this, and we did that. And and a lot of times, if we're honest, no, we didn't do anything. You didn't do anything, but they did it, right? The the, the athletes did it. The players did it. Um, You're not better than anyone, you know, but... But I, but I get it. I get it. We link ourselves to greatness. We link ourselves to awesomeness. We link ourselves to make us feel good. Uh, we, 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 boast about, uh, we boast about these things. Uh, it makes us feel like if we're a fan of a better team, it makes us feel superior to the other fans sometimes. And um, it, it, it's just the way it goes. And, um, but similarly, similarly in the church in Corinth, um, as, we, as we know, they were linking themselves to different leaders and to uh, those who could speak well. And so the division was not that they were linking themselves to others, but the division was caused by their pride, thinking, I'm better than you because I follow this leader. So I follow this person. I, I'm a fan of this person, and so I'm better than you. 
Uh, and, and so, so linking themselves made them feel superior. And, they had a, and, and, and the people in the church, they had an inflated view of themselves. And so because of this, there was division. Because of this puffed up, this arrogance and, 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 and this arrogance, there was division because of that. And so the members felt superior to others. So in our passage today, in our passage today, we're, uh, we're finally wrapping up all of chapters 1 through 3. And, and Paul, he's making one final exhortation. Um, he's making, making one final exhortation to the people in the church. Uh, he's in, in verse 6, if you look at verse 6, he says, um, if he says uh, I, I'm doing this, that you, may, uh, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written, and then he says that none of you may be puffed up in favor of one, of one against another. So that's what he wants to do. He's making one final plea so that you don't be, so you aren't puffed up against one another. And this is Paul's goal and Paul's hope for the church. And this is his goal. Unity through Humility. Unity through humility. And this is where we're going to go today. And so, so how is the church in Corinth going to get to a place of humility? How do they, how do they go back to being unified and how do they uh, get to that place? It's through humility. So how do we find ourselves, um, how do we get to a place of humility? Well, that's our outline there today. You'll see in the, uh, in the outline the three things, you know, we'll have, we get humility through receive, having received the gospel. Humility through a gospel lifestyle. And humility through the gospel of tr- gospel power of transformation. And so that's where we're going. And so right here, we're going to start off with the humility having received the gospel. And we're actually going to start in, in verse 7, uh, chapter 4, verse 7. And there's three questions he asks here in verse 7, if you look at this. He says, for who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as, as if you did not receive it? And so he uses these, these three questions to humble the Christian. And so, so with these three questions, it should eliminate any boasting and any being puffed up in here. And so all these questions point to the work of the gospel of salvation in our lives now. And not just in the beginning of our lives, the gospel work at the beginning, but in our lives right now. And so we'll take a look at, one, at, at these, these three questions. Uh, and before we examine these three questions, though... Um, you know, my first reaction and my first thought when I was reading, this, uh, reading these questions, I, always, I, I, I automatically answered it in a negative. I was like, you know, are you any different? No, you're not any different. What have you, what have you uh, received that you didn't, oh, well, what do you have that you did not receive? Nothing, you know. And, and if you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? And no good reason for their boasting, right? But there is a positive side. There's a, there's a different side that, uh, uh, to these questions and so we'll look at this. So first, Paul, he says, for who sees anything different in you? No one sees, and so here's the thing, Noah sees, and no one sees anything different in you. And that's what he's saying, you're not special. He's saying you're not, you're not superior to others. You're not more talented than others. You're not more able than anyone else. But if, we're, if we were to answer this in the positive, we kind of look back at 1 Corinthians 1.30 and it says, because of, him, you, who, uh, because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us the wisdom of God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that it is written, let, no one, uh, let the one who boasts, boasts in the Lord. 
you want to talk about being special, if we want to feel special in here, it's not because of anything that we do or anything about who we are. But if we want to talk about being special, it's going to be found in our value, in our only value and worth is what we have and who we are in Christ. It says here, Jesus became to us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. And in 2 Corinthians 5.20, it's a beautiful picture of this. It's a beautiful picture. And I feel like I talk about this verse a lot, but I, um, but I don't think it is possible to talk about this too much. And for 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And so let's think about that verse. Let's talk about that verse for a second, right? Anyway, it says, uh, for our sake, he made him who to be sin, who knew no sin. I think we all know that. We all know, hey, on the cross, we talk about how Jesus took our sin on the cross and he paid for our sins and our sins were placed on him and he takes on and he died for our sin. We know that a lot. We talk about it a lot. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin. But I think the second part is just as weighty and just as impactful in our lives now. It says, so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. And what that means now is that we're covered in the righteousness of Christ. If you, have, if you, if you are in Christ, you have Christ's righteousness on you. And so whatever, whatever, whenever God sees you, he sees, God's right, he sees Christ. Whenever God sees you, he doesn't see your sin, he sees Christ. Whenever God sees you, he doesn't see your value and your talents and your gifts. He sees Christ and his death and his power and his resurrection and, and Christ and who, his, and who he is to him. And you, we are, we're sons and daughters of God because of who Christ is, and because Christ is the Son of God. And so we have security because of Christ. Christ will never uh, be abandoned by God anymore. I always put it this way. I, always, I, I go, you know, I, I always tell the students, you know, will, will, uh, will I ever abandon Astrid? Will she ever cease to uh, be my daughter? I would never do that. As bad as she can be, as, as, as you know, uh, rebellious as she can be sometimes, I'm not going to be like, all right, I'm going to kick you out of the house. Even if I did kick her out of my house, is she still my daughter? Yes. And because she's my daughter, and she will always be my daughter, and because of Christ being the son of God, you and I will always be the son of God. That's our value. That's our worth, not because of how good you are, not because of your talents, not even because of how bad you are and how sinful you are. Because here's the thing, guys. The only thing you brought to the table um, for our salvation was your sin. I forget who says that. The only thing we bring to our, our salvation is our sin. But Christ, he brought everything else we needed so who sees anything in you, different in you? You're not special by yourself. But in Christ, you are everything. In Christ, you are everything. By yourself, you're nothing. By yourself, you're worthless. By yourself, you're, you're do doomed to hell. By yourself, you are nothing. But in Christ, you are everything. This goes back, this goes back to the end of last week's passage. 
right? When Pastor Jason, he talks about you are Christ and Christ is God's. So you are so much more than whatever it is. You are so much more than the high positions at work. You are so much more than the, your rank at, at school. You are so much more than your lowly positions. You are so much more than your talents and skills. Or maybe for some of us, the lack of talents and skills sometimes we feel. But we're so much more than that. We're so much more. You're, you are so much more than just being the smartest in your class. But you're so much more than just being someone who struggles to keep up with everything and to keep up with everyone else. You are so much more than your sexuality. You're so much more than the money you have. You are so much more than the likes, uh, the, the number of likes on your post. Do you understand? Whatever we put value in is nothing compared to the value of Christ and our identity in Christ and who we are in Christ. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's the first question. The second question here. The second question he asks, what do you have that you did not receive? Nothing, right? But on the flip side of that, what have you received? We've received everything. We received everything. In Romans 11, Romans 11, 35, it says, or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? Everything is God's. And if everything is his, then everything we have comes from God. So God has richly provided and he continues to provide. And he will forever be a faithful provider for us. So I want you to think about this. God, God provides every, 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 uh, God provides every step along the way in life. And there's not one step you take in life where he does not provide for your needs. I want you to think about this. There's never going to be a time in life where we're going to be in need because of because of what, who God is and how he is a faithful provider in life. No matter how poor or, or how, how many possessions that we lack, or no matter what our situations we're in, we're never going to be in need because he's there. And that's just a crazy thing to think about. We must be humble enough. We must be humble enough to admit that none of what we have is from our own efforts. We have to admit, we have to be humble enough to admit that we did not provide the things that we have in our life. Because that's what Paul is blasting them for in this third question. Paul is blasting them. He's, he's going, why do you say that you haven't received anything and boast about, and boast about it, when, it's none of it when none of it has ever been your effort? Back in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4, Paul says, I, gave, I give, thanks to God, my, to give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God had, that was given to you in Christ Jesus. That in every way you were enriched in him in speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. When you receive the gospel, when we receive the gospel, we became in him and we take part in him. And because of that, there is no lack. 
And because of, him, because of being in him, we had no lack and we were enriched in every way. So we lack no gift. It is Christ who sustains you perfectly in verse 7. Are we humble enough to admit that by ourselves we lack everything we need, but in Christ we have all that we need? Paul says in verse 6, he says, don't go beyond the truth of God, of God's word. Don't go beyond, beyond God's truth. Don't go searching. Don't go searching to put your truth and trust, or to put your trust in something else. He's saying, put your trust, don't, don't, don't trust in yourself. He's saying, don't fool, you're, you're fooling yourself when you're trusting in your own abilities. You're fooling yourself when you're trusting your own abilities to provide for yourself. Paul says, if I have received the gospel, you have received the gospel. And I am a steward of the mystery of God. I am steward of this gospel that I have received. So in the same way, you have received this too. You have received this gospel. And so that's what Paul is trying to say, is that because of the gospel, it reveals that by our own efforts, we are nothing. Because of the gospel, it reveals that, that we have nothing. Uh, but because of Jesus, we have all that we need. And so may we begin to admit that in humility. May we begin to admit and try to th and think about our humility. And so... That's the first thing that we, we, we see here, uh, the first step, and one of the things to help us to get to a place of humility. And the second thing is humility through a gospel lifestyle. And so I think by now, by now, I think as we've gone through chapters 1 through 3 of Corinthians, it's clear that there's this worldly standard that the Corinth, the Christ, the Corinth Christians uh, were boasting about. Uh, the great orders, right, the upper class, the great orders and the upper class, they, they, were, they were so well off that they would boast about their self-sufficiency uh, secured through their influence, through their political power and their wealth. And so that was going on and, and the, current, the, the people in the church was going, yeah, well, we're going to boast about those things too. So going back to the previous verse, they would say, God didn't give me any of this. I, I did this all myself. I obtained it through my own abilities, my own wealth, and my own power. So Paul, because of that, Paul says with sarcasm in verse 8. Look at verse 8. With sarcasm, he goes, you did it all yourself then. You lack nothing. You have it all. You're rich. You have the ability to provide for yourself. You have wealth. You have power. You have the status of the king. All that in sarcasm. It's funny, it's funny because I think the next line, I don't think Paul is using sarcasm there though. Because the next line, he says, yeah, you're a king. But then he goes, I wish you were a king. I wish you were a king. Why? Because if, if, I, if you were a king, I would be king with you. I, I want, I, he goes, I want to be king with you. Because as a king, as a king, Paul does, wouldn't have to go through everything he's gone through. Because as a king, he wouldn't, be, he wouldn't have to go through everything he will go through. I want you to think about this. He says, if I were king, I, I, I don't have to go through all this. Because what he begins to describe next in this passage, what he begins to describe next about what God has for his people, it's not easy to take in. It's not easy at all. 
I, I, I believe Paul, Paul, he sees the easiness and the draw to the power and wealth and self-sufficiency. It, it, it would be kind of absurd for any of us to go, nah, no thanks, I, I don't really care about comfort. I don't really care about self-sufficiency. I, I, don't think anyone, I don't think anyone would come in here and say, uh, I don't like being self-sufficient. And I, I hope we're honest with ourselves. I hope we're honest with ourselves, and then we can find, like, if, if anything, we find ourselves too much like the church in Corinth. And I don't mean this because we all live comfortably, but what I'm saying is that we all here, like all of us here, we have a natural desire to comfort. We have a natural desire to easiness. We have a natural desire, a natural draw to self-sufficiency and to, to live easy and live comfortable. I think Something might be off if that's not what you desired. Because Paul, even Paul himself, think about this. Paul himself, he says, he wasn't always content with life. Like we always think about Philippians 4, right? Like, oh, he was content and he, you know, he could do all things through Christ. And he was, oh, he's so godly. He's so content with everything. And, and then with, with a lot and with little, he's so content. And we, we boast and we look at his, and we, we look at his um, you know, godliness and that. But he says in 4.11, what does he say? I have learned. I have learned to be content. So what does that mean? He wasn't always content. There's a draw to that. There's a draw to, to wanting more. There's a draw to self-sufficiency. He says, I have learned the secret to be content. Because Paul knows. Paul knows that what God has for his people is difficult. It is difficult. Because let's read this. Let's read what God has for his people. As we look at it, this is, what, this is, this is how we are described to be in, 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 in verse 8. It says that, and you will reign, and my share and rule with you. Sorry, verse 9. And I think that God has exhibited his apostles as last of all, like men sentenced to death, because we have become a spectacle to the world, to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are held in honor, but we disrepute. disrepute. To, the to the present hour, we hunger and thirst. We are poorly dressed and we buffet and homeless. We labor, working on our own hands. We are reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. When slandered, we entreat. We have become and are still like the scum of the world and the refuse of all things. That's not easy, is it? Show this to, to a non-Christian. Hey, you want to come be this? You want to become the scum of the world? Refuse it? <laughs> it's not easy. So what does this mean for us, though? What does this mean for us? Are we all go, hey, everyone, go sell your home. Go be homeless. What do we do? Well, are we all supposed to go be martyrs? Go, go get beat up for you? Just preach the gospel until someone beats you up. Are we supposed to do that? Go, go get a ship and be shipwrecked, right? Are we, is that what we're supposed to do? Go exchange your clothes. If you have, like, if you have, if you have, if you're wearing J's in here, go, go sell your shoes, right? If, you, if you're wearing, if you're wearing nice shoes, better get rid of them, you know? Should we skip meals so that it says we, we hunger and we thirst? Like, should we fast? Like, is that what we're supposed to do? The Bible says that Christ emptied himself. The Bible says that Christ emptied himself and displayed, and he was display of the picture of the gospel. The Bible says that he did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he took on the form of a servant. 
Elsewhere, it says that Jesus, Jesus, he humbled himself, and he became like us in every way, and he was tempted like us, and he suffered like us. The picture of the gospel is one of sacrifice and not of status. It's not that we're, and so here's the thing. It's not that we're out, we're, we're out here, we're not supposed to seek out to be poor. We don't need to seek out to be poor, but we need to seek out how we may lower ourselves like Jesus did. And that's the gospel lifestyle. And I hope you hear me. I hope you hear that. I'm not trying to say that we need to suffer. But I like how Andy Mignot puts it in his song. Andy Mignot, he says, so if you want to live a comfortable life, make sure you never love. Make sure you never love nobody. Be selfish and never sacrifice. So as you may have heard, there's, there's a number of families um, that are going to go to Mexico later this summer. Um, and then, so by the way, there's a, there's a bake sale. There's a sale for, uh, that's benefiting the orphanage. Uh, and so uh, the sale goes to, to benefiting the orphanage that's going to be visiting. Uh, so go support that orphanage. Uh, but I heard on Friday, I heard on Friday that they were sharing about this, uh, the trip. Uh, and, they, and on Friday said that there's no running water. Um, at the orphanage. So I was like, yeah. And when I heard that on Friday, that, that brought back a lot of memories for my first mission trip to Reynosa, Mexico. Um, so Phil, Phil Chi, he brought us, he brought a group of us uh, to that orphanage. Um, and one of the things I remember about that trip was bucket showers. All right. Who's ever taken a bucket shower here? A few. Wow. All right. There's more of that than, Okay. Um, and, and so, that, that's cool. So, uh, but one of the things was, it was just, I never knew of such things. I never knew what a bucket shower was. And, and it was rough, right? It was rough. And uh, it was the first time experiencing that for me. And, and what's even worse is right after you shower, it's so hot and so humid, it feels like you just, you didn't shower at all. And you probably would have, yeah, you probably just shouldn't have showered. And, and so, and it's just kind of crazy to think about that, um, and it was not nice. It was, it was not pleasant at all. Um, but one of the things I do remember on that trip was um, I remember the day that we were leaving this trip. Uh, and we were leaving the kids behind and everyone was bawling their eyes out. Um, and everyone was so sad. Um, but I still remember what Phil said to us that day. I still remember what Phil said to us. And he says, whenever you love, there will be sacrifice. So I, I, I'm forever changed by that mission trip. And it was such a picture of the gospel. We drive 10 hours in a van, stuck together in a van and annoying each other. We sweat all day, every day. We take bucket showers. There's no AC. There's no, and, and, and there's no running water. And each day you're just exhausted. But it was all worth it. The sacrifice was worth the gospel. We become a living picture of the gospel when we live for the gospel. And so, by the way, there's a, a youth trip coming up this, in June as well. And I hope, actually hope that it can be more than a youth trip. Um, so we're also going to be working with orphans at, at this campsite in Mexico as well. And so if there's anyone that's interested um, in going, let's talk. Come talk to me. And, and, and you know what? And you know what? No running water either. So bucket showers, here we come, you know. Um, but you know what? Paul's life could have been different. Paul's life could have been very different. He didn't have to get beat. He didn't have to receive 40 lashes minus one five times. He didn't have to get shipwrecked. He didn't have to get stoned. He didn't have to get imprisoned. But he did it for the advancement of the gospel. 
And it was such a beautiful life. It wasn't easy, but it was glorious. And that's the picture of the gospel, the gospel lifestyle. Again, if you want to live comfortably, if you want to live with ease, love, no, don't love anyone, never sacrifice and be selfish. But if we want to be, if we want to live uh, with, in humbleness, then love, sacrifice, right? So last thing right here, humility through gospel, the gospel power transformation. So Paul, he addresses the arrogant and puffed up people, Corinth, one last time. All right, he, he, he addresses it one last time in this chapter, and he calls them out for being all talk. He calls them out and being all talk. And so you look in verse 18. In verse 18, in verse 18, he says, Some are arrogant, as though I were not coming to you. But I will come to you soon. And if the Lord wills, I will find out, and I will find out not to talk of these arrogant people, but their power or lack of. For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. What do you wish? I shall come to you with a rod or with a love in spirit, in a spirit of gentleness. He says in verse 18, I'm going to come and find out. I'm going to come to you. And if I, if, I, if I am able to, if the Lord wills that I come to you, I will show you the power, just exactly what power these people have. Because what's going on here, what's going on here in the, in, in, in the people in the church is that um, the arrogant people, they were saying, Paul, Paul can't speak. Paul's not eloquent in, in speech. He's not eloquent, so don't listen to him. He has no power. He's unable. He's weak. Paul, he doesn't know what he's talking about because he, he's not as eloquent. But listen to us. Listen to us because we're better. Listen to us because, because we knew, and, and so they felt, and so that's what's going on. And so that, that's what the people in the, in the church of Corinth did. They followed them. They followed them because they followed the eloquent words. They followed the talented, and, been, and they became puffed up themselves. And so Paul tells the church, I want to come to you, and I will prove them wrong. They might be eloquent in speech, but they have no power. So he wants the church to follow his words and, and not the words of the eloquent. He tells them to follow me. He says, he says to follow me as I was the one who brought you to Christ. He says, remember that? Remember that? Remember, remember when I shared the gospel with you? Remember the change that happened in your life? So remember that. And because of that, I am, he says that what? He says, I am your father through the gospel. So now listen to, listen to me now. Follow me as I follow the ways of Christ. And he even sends, and he says, I'm going to send Timothy to you to remind you of the ways of Christ. Because the ways of Christ has power. The ways of Christ have power. And, and this is real power. Paul, Paul doesn't want the people just to act like him. Paul doesn't want the people just, just to, to, to act like him, nor does he want people just to act like Christ. He wants them to be changed. Because good behavior without transformation is just as useless and powerless as eloquent words. And back in uh, chapter 1, verse 30, it says, Because of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us a wisdom of God, righteousness, which we talked about earlier, and sanctification and redemption. There's righteousness and justification, which we talked about, but then follows is sanctification. So God's desire for you is not just to be better. 
God's desire for you is not just to be good people. God's desire for you is not just to be better, but instead to become more like Christ. So Paul, he tells his people, something needs to change. Something needs to change. And because, 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 because something needs to change because there's the vision. And so what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Like the last verse in here, he says, I'm coming to you. What do you wish? Shall I come to you with a rod or in love and spirit of gentleness? He says, whatever happens, something's got to change. It doesn't matter. I can bring you a rod and, and discipline you that way, and I can come with love. But when I'm, no matter what happens, something has to change. Because this division will not go away if you do not change. The church was so divided that arrogance was so divided that arrogance was rampant in their hearts, and that needed to change. It needed to be transformed, and their hearts needed to be transformed by the gospel so that they would live out the ways of Christ. But maybe we're not a church in here that we're full of puffed up and arrogant people. That's causing a lot of division in here. You know, and, and if, if I'm, hopefully I'm not being naive to think that, yeah, I, I don't believe we are. I don't believe we're arrogant in here. I don't believe we're, you know, we're, people are causing a lot of division in here. And praise God for that. But I want us to hear the words of Paul when he says that the kingdom of God does not consist of talk, but in power. What in our lives will we need the power of the kingdom for? Is there something in your life where you need the change to happen in your life? Is there something in your life where you need to see this power of God, the power of the kingdom for? There might not be a lot of division in here, but I can bet that there's a lot of us stuck in sin, that something needs to change. I can, I, I, I can bet that, that there's a lot of us in here who are stuck in anger issues. And there's a lot of us stuck in broken families. Or maybe there's a lot of us stuck in hopeless situations and that are desperately in need of this power of the kingdom to come in and change things up and to come in and change our hearts, to come in and transform our hearts. Maybe some of us in here, maybe we do live comfortable lives. And again, I don't mean to live in a nice house and to live in the comfortable ways that we're living. But maybe there's some of us in here we just don't really love anyone, and we live selfishly, and we never sacrifice for anyone. And our heart needs to change, and we, be, we need to begin to take our eyes off ourselves, and we need just to love people, and to sacrifice for people, and to be out there, and not to live selfishly anymore. My hope is for us to have heart change. My hope, my hope is for, us for, for our hearts to be changed. And, and said, my hope is for you to have your heart so powerfully taken captive by the ways of Christ that you may sacrificially love Christ, as, uh, may, may, may sacrificially love as Christ did. So my hope for us is that we, may all find, that we all may find humility we need in the power of the gospel. That we may exemplify the power of the gospel in our lives through sacrifice, through living for one another, through loving on one another, to, 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 to support one another. So even though we might not have any division, but let's come together in unity. 
Because even though there's no division, there might not be unity. We could just kind of be in the middle. We can just kind of be there. But if we were to love one another, sacrifice one another, support one another, and, and be there for another, that's the picture of unity. That's the picture of gospel power. That's the picture of gospel love. And we there, we love and sacrifice. So let's pray. God, I just thank you for your words. I thank you for Christ because in Christ, because Christ is all that we have in life. It is your love that we all have in life. It is your value that we have in life, all that we have in life. It is your righteousness that we stand, the only thing that we can stand on in life. And so, Jesus, I pray that we would understand just who you are to us and what you mean to us. That we have everything we need because of you. So, Jesus, we thank you for, for loving us, for sacrificing for us, for being selfless, for coming down, becoming like us, and humbling yourself so that we may have life and we have life to the full. Thank you. Praise in Jesus. Amen.